Your source for Big Ten Talk. It's Off Tackle Empire. Welcome back to a preview in predictions addiction 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 of off topical empire god bless these united states this is an addiction there's there's no need to paint it otherwise yeah this is addiction we can quote whatever we want though this is perfectly healthy i'll do the introduction this time i'm andrew krasheski your thumbosaurus this is week two this is big 10 football we have fewer games than last week because we got one conference matchup, but still so, so many games to talk about. The non-conference is a chore. Let's get right into it. Interesting games starting right off the bat. Cincinnati, Ohio State, ABC. Not really a threat of an upset here, but perhaps some intrigue. More so than you would get from Ohio State it's hosting substantially Kent more. State or Miami. Or... I mean, Cincinnati, let's not forget, is coming off a very workmanlike performance, dismantling UCLA and Chip Kelly, uh, like, mm. you know, like one does to a middling Mountain West team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, not that they uh, not that they blew the brakes off of anybody, but you want to show respect to your opponent. It's, you know... They've got a great running game. Uh, I mean, if I'm honest, man, if this is Jim Tressel, Ohio State, I'm calling this one upset alert. Oh, yeah. I'm not calling for the upset. It just seems like the amount of talent is just too ridiculous for Cincinnati to be able to compete. Then and we saw a little bit. And, and maybe if you want to squint at this the right way, you could say, well, look, Ryan Day did take his foot off the accelerator a bit last week. But again, as, as we talked about in the review episode, if you got one healthy quarterback, man, you are one weird hit away from your season ending. And they've still got everything. And they doesn't got, even have to be a hit, especially if you've got a running quarterback. Sure, yeah. So you, you've got big goals in front of you. The game was in hand. There's no point in continuing to play him and continuing to expose your playmakers to risk once you've got the thing in the bag. So I don't know if it, I mean I I picked Cincinnati to cover. It feels like a heftier line. I need to check exactly what that was. You see Cincinnati. I can now see the full extent of your power. Sixteen. While and a half. I, Ohio State, am only beginning to tap into mine. Sixteen and a half is quite a line, even with it being in the shoe. You're not dealing with the average college football team anymore, Cincinnati. I, Ohio State, have finally realized the legend and become the Ohio State University. The university that you so feared. Here, I'm going to hand you the cease and desist order from the Ohio State Athletic Department's marketing department. So, just going to take a look at that. And next time you use the word the, you want to remit the appropriate royalties, we'd greatly appreciate it. And we look forward, we, we anticipate your cooperation in this matter. Does Ohio State still even have the the? I don't think, I mean, it's a trademark application. You just make it and it's over. But I don't think they expected anyone to take it seriously. Well, I mean, do they have the traveling the? Oh, they haven't had it in years. I don't know where it ends. It's probably... Dude, it, it's it got to be um, with Clemson. Yeah. Or Clemson or Bama. And if it was with Bama, it would be with Clemson. So, no, I'm sure it's Clemson by now. Just because those things always make... Just like, if you want, if you look at those... Um, I think it's it maybe on the Reddit where they do the Empire's map. Like, yeah. every school... And so, it was like over time, just like, well, this is just going to turn orange and red. That's all well, it will be. Well, I thought it was great when it was just a whole off-season of the Pittsburgh because they took it from Miami and then yeah, didn't yeah. go to a bowl. Yeah. <laughs> the Pittsburgh was one of my favorites. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, the way those change always kind of amuses me. But um, in any case, 
could be. I think it should be an interesting game. I don't think Ohio State's in much peril to lose, but you've certainly got a motivated opponent. You don't have a walkover. You're going to have to show up and play. They're not going to be able to ease up the way they did last week because I don't think they're going to have quite that much of a lead. Upset, no. But the line of 16.5 seems like a bit much to me. That's all I'm saying. What you're what you're really looking at in this game is if you're like, if you're like a USC fan or a Virginia Tech fan, you're looking to see how well uh, Luke Fickle is putting together a program to compete with Ohio State if you're, you're scouting out or if you're a Rutgers fan. Because let's not pretend that UMass gets him off the schneid here. No. So, no. speaking of, you know, coaches that might look elsewhere, Army and Michigan. And betting lines that are absolutely insane that feel a little bit like free money. 23 points for Michigan in a game against Army. Probably going to be the slowest moving team in the country this year. Won 10 games, 11 games last year, returned damn near all their starters. Struggled a bit with Rice last week, which I guess, I mean, that and the amount of casuals dipping their toe into the Michigan pool probably pushes the number that way a little bit. But um, I didn't see anything from Michigan last week that made me think they're going to overwhelm Army. Michigan has pieces missing. We won't we won't know today if those guys are going to be back, that being John Running and Dobbin Peoples-Jones. I don't see this being a 23-point win. Um, they're, not, they're not a team, just because Army underwhelmed against Rice, it's not a team that's built to blow opponents away. And they're... Not going to be intimidated by the environment in the big house. So the other, the other thing, of course, is that Michigan's defensive line, quite thin. Lack of depth. And they're going to eat about 400 cut blocks in this game. So, you know, you, you, you expect the win and you hope that you don't come away with any injuries. That's a risk of playing service academies. It's, you know, when MSU played Air Force a few years ago, I was biting my, you know, biting my lips the whole, I don't know, biting my tongue? Biting my, what do you do? Biting my nails. That's what I was biting. Uh, <laughs> you're giving me a look like this. What? <laughs> you know, when you're nervous, you bite and you bite it. I, I don't actually do it, so I had to think for the expression. You bite your <laughs> lip like, oh man, that cut block feels so. Oh yeah, cut. Well, cut look, block I appreciate I appreciate some good clean blocking technique as much as the next man. All right, this is not weird. Lay off me. So, <laughs> um, point is, I, if it were up to me. Respect for the troops aside, don't schedule service academies. What's the benefit? If you lose to them, they're never good enough that you don't get mocked. If you beat them, everyone's like, oh, fuck you for beating up the troops. It, it, there's no... It's a, it's a lose-lose And you're going to get cut-blocked. Right, mm-hmm. and, you're, and you're gonna, your defensive line is going to get obliterated and be sore for the next month. So I don't see the benefit to it. I don't think Army wins this game. It wouldn't blow me away if they did. It wouldn't be the most surprising upset Michigan suffered. Michigan and fans are not going to enjoy this game. There's just no outcome of this game no. that they're going to enjoy. If you blow them out, you're blowing out the troops. What the hell is the matter with you? You're picking on the troops. Well, but I'm saying even if you did enjoy blowing out the troops, I mean, I that's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. There there probably are, if you think about 110,000 fans in the big house, there are probably, what, 1 in 11 people there are maniacal enough, just, just full of themselves enough that they would enjoy blowing out the troops. 10,000 people in that stadium are going to blow out the troops and love it. You fucking sicko. Why do you hate America so much? How long have you hated America, Michigan? <laughs> the whole time. We know that. Anyhow, that's about Syracuse it. at Maryland was one that we previewed as a heavy Syracuse win in our Maryland preview. And the line started like like three points to Syracuse and has since switched. It's going to be a point, maybe two, for Maryland now. And that kind of movement makes me think that Betters know something that we don't. 
if you're looking at a 79 nothing Maryland win and being impressed by that, you probably stopped reading before you got to the opponent. Syracuse played a decent but not great Liberty team, and it was a 22 nothing win, I think. 24. Like, oh, yeah. An odd number. No, I think it was 22. Hold on. It was 24. Uh, you're going to have to test me. I had Andre Smith. Schmidt. Smith. As my kicker. Oh, no. I thought that because they're 22nd. That's why I thought that. Yeah. Ah. So we got you an extra point and a few extra points in the field goal. Yeah. I, I figured they'd give them more opportunities. They didn't move the ball that well. No, and maybe that's part of the reason for the movement here. You know, Syracuse does have a new quarterback. Maryland looked pretty good in their first game. Maybe Maryland fans, I mean, our Maryland correspondent informed us ticket prices have spiked for this game. You are playing a somewhat local team, albeit probably not one that travels all that well. A I just, very briefly former ACC Yeah, <laughs> for, like, for like a minute, right? Yeah, for yeah, a couple of years after the Big East dissolved. So, you know, those long blood feuds of two seasons really don't fade over time. I'm still puzzled by the movement in favor of Maryland. I'm not totally sold on the Terps yet. I guess this will be, you know, this is a good measuring stick game. Just like we're going to see with the next team here, uh, Purdue hosting Vanderbilt. Importance of this game ramps up pretty dramatically for Purdue after they blow that game at Nevada last week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this becomes a chance to show that, you know, that was an aberration. This also becomes, though, kind of a tall order if they've got deeper issues with, with controlling a game to the end. Yeah. Because getting a lead and holding a thing, uh, holding a lead are not quite the same thing. Yeah, so this is an important opportunity to prove that you can hold the, play game for 60 minutes. Uh, you're going to have somewhat of a, I, I don't know if I want to say desperate, but Vanderbilt got squashed by Georgia last week, of course. Yeah, they got, um, just, they got just put to sleep, basically. Which you expect. So they're going to need this win for bowl eligibility purposes, most likely. Although they are playing in the SEC East, and as we saw last week, there's going to be opportunities for wins in the SEC East. So this will be an interesting matchup. Vanderbilt's obviously, you know, this is a game where Purdue's got a talent advantage, let's put it that way. But not so much so that they're going to be able to play as carelessly as they did last week and be assured of a win. So you got to play probably a B-plus to A-minus game the whole time. You can't play an A-plus game for a half and then a D game for a half and expect to hold on to this one. Vanderbilt's coming off a bowl, too. I mean, yeah. they're not nobody. So, I don't know. Who do, you, who do you like in this one? Well, the line here is Purdue a touchdown favorite. Um, I don't know if I quite see that. I think they hold on for the win. I think it's probably a bit tighter than that. Well, I mean, you saw what Purdue did against an opponent of Auburn's caliber last year. Um, uh, not that necessarily Georgia... You know, beating up on Vanderbilt was, uh, you know, an order of magnitude greater than what Auburn did to Purdue, uh, or an order of magnitude lesser. But still, I don't know. I I am surprised that Purdue is being favored by that much. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I guess when you think about Vanderbilt, I mean, could you name their three best players? Absolutely not. Nope. Oh no, I'm sorry. What the hell's wrong with me? Of course I could. Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn and Keyshawn Vaughn. So Purdue's run defense will be tested to be sure, because uh, Keyshawn spit hot fire. Well, yeah. Actually, Keyshawn Vaughn has played Purdue before, was part of a sound blowout of them in 2015 by the Illini. So Don't put your money in your mouth, let's pick him up in JMC, drop Jonathan Taylor, let's see if you really believe in him. <laughs> well, do you believe Nevertheless, him? I mean he he went back to finish his degree, but also because he thought he'd get the first round grade. 
Yeah, understandably so. Um, the, didn't it feel like the running back draft was a little shallow this year? But he probably should have gone. Yeah, but he he did also really want to finish his degree first. Yeah, whatever, nerd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we got a couple of a uh, couple of laughers that we won't spend much time on. Central Michigan traveling to Wisconsin. Chip's going to get mulched. Not much to talk about. Same with Eastern Indiana at Indiana. That's actually... I think no, that's Eastern Indiana. Illinois. But that's oh, yeah. a far cry from Dino Babers, Bob Spoo. Well, yeah, whatever. Um, actually, a little bit surprised there that... Spoo. For the time being, that uh, that line for Central Michigan is half a point more than the one for Eastern Illinois and FCS teams. So that'll tell you where the chips are uh, as a program the at the moment. The chips are down. Down and out. Uh, a couple other large spreads this week. You've got Buffalo traveling to Penn State. Boys. <laughs> yeah. Buffalo traveling to Penn State. That's a 29.5 point spread. That feels a little much. I think Buffalo might put up a little bit of a fight. Yeah, granted, I know they don't have Tyree Jackson, but that was a Mac title game participant last year. Gave us a wildly entertaining game. Unfortunately, they, they were not the ones that did the entertaining part. They were the ones that surrendered the entertaining part. To Northern right. Illinois. Well, it was entertaining when they built up the lead. That was also entertaining. I mean, it was, you know. Yeah, I know. It was a terrible lead from the give up. And R2 heard us talking about his Huskies, which is why he decided to pipe up again in the conversation. So, I'm so sorry, R2, but I do not think that the Huskies have uh, any chance of pulling this one off. I, I am strongly revising my previous statements about this game. I'm going to go ahead and confidently say that Illinois covers a 20-point spread here because the offensive line is just too good. Um, you hear this shit? The offensive line is too good, and UConn barely escaped Wagner, which is not a quality FCS team. No. <laughs> um, I, and what do you expect when you openly say, hey, we're not going to try with our football program anymore? I mean, they came out and said it. Eastern Michigan has just been suspected, okay? Well, and they actually but found a decent UConn, coach, too, yeah. UConn so. just came out and said it. Here's where, here's how I can express to you where I am with this game. When I was picking my JMC lineup today, I gave serious thought to Illinois' defense. Oh, boy. I'm not sure I'm going that far, but I am going Brandon Peters. Well, I didn't pull the trigger, but I really thought about it. I'm going Brandon Peters because this could be my... This Your is, only opportunity. <laughs> yeah, well, this you is the only opportunity that I know I'm going to have. You can't pick a running back because they'll rotate too heavily. Well, and because Mike Epstein's out for the season... Well, in that case, you might want to go with Corbin. Nah, they're not going to... Well, yeah, for that reason, why would they give Corbin more than five carries in this game? Sure. So, yeah, I think Brandon Peters is going to be decent. They're, they're going to want to get the passing game going. I suppose. Um, so, yeah, this will be my opportunity for my homer pick. Just saying that defense special teams is actually quite high in the rankings thanks to that three-point put out against uh, Akron. So. Well, not to mention they had two take or two two takeaways. Uh, they had a decent pass rush against Akron, so UConn shouldn't be much of a problem, and given that they have some absolute, you know, what are relative to UConn absolute monsters at defensive end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm going full homer this week. I'm rolling with MSU's defense and kicker against Western. So. Oh, boy. Because <laughs> you know what? It'll, I mean, it'll be, they'll feed each other because the defense will get a turnover at like the, in, the Wisconsin, or in the Western red zone, and then they'll kick a field goal. So, so, so basically, it's a bump, set, spike, okay? Yeah. So you've got Hardbarger <laughs> providing the bump, right? He's, he's going to dig the <laughs> offense out of the hole that it made for itself. Yeah. Right? And then the defense is going to set him up by, 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 by either pushing him back for a punt or just getting the ball right there. And then spike. You're going to have Coughlin, Coughlin, right Coughlin? Coughlin, yeah. Uh, drive it through for three. 
So, you're going to get a bunch of those kill shots. First to 25 wins. This, by the way, is the entirety of our Big Ten Volleyball Preview. Bump set spike for Michigan State football. Thing, things that happen in volleyball, and we said the words in the right order. So, we're, we are catering to a wider listenership than we were before. You know, for, half, for like for three, maybe four seconds, I was like, should we talk about volleyball? And I was like, I know... Very number little. Number six, Illinois took down number eighteen, Miami, not too long ago. So yeah. So yeah, that's one thing. Is apparently the season started already. Did not know that. Um, I wonder and... if it's like the wrestling season where there's just like some things happen now and then there's like a few months of <laughs> other things happening. Yeah. Because <laughs> the wrestling cause... season's goofy like that. There's some dual meets that happen like before basketball starts, and then there's a bunch of individual tournaments that people send like maybe some of their teams to. And then it's not till January that they really start the dual meets. Well, we're we're already a conference-wide Big Ten football and basketball. We're doing that uh, podcast. Why don't we delve into further nooks and crannies? Big Ten volleyball feels like an underserved market that could have dozen of listeners. Dozen. Well, so, you know, our- <laughs> and for the amount of work that would be involved, I mean, to for the amount of work it takes to compile an outline, for example, on a single non-conference week of Big Ten football when there are copious sources of information on the internet about every team you could want to know about. Tell you what, though. Versus... Illinois and Nebraska fans have been looking for ways to channel their energy the last few years with the Mike Riley uh, era, uh, Tim Miles, you know, the end of the John Gross era. They, they've channeled a lot of energy into volleyball. There's some there's some starving fans there. We've Maybe seen, they're going to... We've seen that from our Nebraska correspondent, yes. Um... Whatever floats your boat, I guess. Speaking of floating the boat, Minnesota is uh, going to float that boat all the way out west. Right? They're going out west again? To Fresno. You, you, you positive? I felt like they went there last year. No, I think Fresno came to them. I'm quite sure they're going. Uh, yep, that's a return trip. Not a return trip, just a trip. A regular trip. From which they would be lucky to return... With a victory. There we go. Yeah. Um, but maybe not. Maybe well, not. The, the replacement quarterback for Fresno State, Jorge Reina, did not look sharp against USC. Still had him within a score of a win. Did at that. U- at That's USC. That's true. Uh, and USC what? has the third most blue chip talent of any program in the country. Now they've got a coach that led that blue chip talent to 5-7, and seven, but talent is talent. That's also now only. Because if you look at the future projections for those, they fall off a damn cliff after this year. That they do. Um, so yeah, that's the other thing is whoever takes over for Helton when he is inevitably fired is actually going to have a rebuild at USC, which should be impossible. But you know, it's funny how bad guys can be at their job. I, I told you the other day, right, about how in the lead up to the MSU game, I think it was on FS1, they had some interview with him and I, I wasn't really paying attention it was just on but then I kind of realized what it was during it and I was like oh no oh no now he has a face now he's, oh, he's talking about his family oh no oh, it's gonna hurt when they fire don't his give it a name <laughs> exactly <laughs> then, you gotta, then you gotta care for that then you gotta care for it and love it yeah um he's definitely fired though so to get back to our point about Minnesota what did we learn last week about going to the west coast no and playing at night 
Don't! And what are they doing? Both of those things. They're doing that thing. One week, well, nine days after one of the more underwhelming performances in the conference against a much inferior opponent to in Fresno particular, State. A poor opponent, really a poor opponent in both phases of the game, but especially on defense, it's a good thing that they don't have an offensive mastermind going up against them in Jeff Tedford. No, he's not known for... Uh, um, hmm. Yeah, about that. Yikes! No, 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 no. I'm sure nothing's going to happen here. Keep those reservations in Pasadena, Minnesota fans, who we have been told about by our Minnesota correspondent. That totally reasonable thing for you to do in August, coming off a quick lane bowl win. We're going to keep reminding you, that's that was really the biggest cause for your optimism. 100%. Well, that and the, that and the axe, but the quick lane bowl, yeah. I guess. So that's that. See, the quick lane bowl is the benchmark I'm going to be looking for this year to say, my program's not complete ass. Now, I'm not going to then say, we're going to the Rose Bowl and possibly the playoff. Are you going to buy a suite in Ford Field if they get there? Uh, for the game. I mean, not like for Lions or anything. I, I, I don't know, but I, I legitimately am planning on just like hosting a large tailgate for, 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 for all of the people that, like, that, that, that didn't quite give up, but tried to. <laughs> <laughs> right, because they had the good sense to try to give up. Illinois football, man. Catch the fever. So, last couple, and we say we tried to kind of save the more interesting ones for last. Last couple games here. Nebraska going to Colorado. A um, little bit of the air has probably come out of the frost hyped dirigible since last week. Or maybe, or maybe people write it off. I guess we'll see. I, 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 that's one game that's easy to write off. Our Nebraska correspondents are boringly level-headed, so it's hard to use them as any kind of barometer for the rest of the fan base. Um... I think you can easily ignore whatever data point you want to. We did have hilarious photo, or, uh, photos provided to us of Ben Sass, noted Nebraska object and senator, selling runs does in the stands, trying to prove he was a normal person, and a woman was following him around, booing him. <laughs> well, well, you want to be out with the people? Well, the people don't like you. This just, is what happens. Every time he tried to say anything, my understanding is, she would just boo over him so that he couldn't be heard. Well, you know, it's about time that we started making things a little bit more like uh, UK parliamentary procedure here. Absolutely. If we had to... So we're just going to get him used to being booed whenever he tries to speak, and then we'll carry that over to the House of Representatives. Well, I'll boo! Put it, boo! I mean, I'll put it this way. Sass never lost 43 representatives before his first vote, so that's something. We, this is a political podcast, as you all know. Um, but look, Nebraska-Colorado, this is an interesting matchup in theory. I... Talked earlier about how LaVisca Chenault is the truth. He's going to be a problem for the Nebraska defense. And this is an upgrade in quality of opponent. Again, they got three scores from the defense and special teams last week. Unrealistic to, susp- to sustain that. Even if you actually think those units are that good, you can't count on points from them. It's not fair. That's what Michigan State's doing with their defense. It's going to be a terrible strategy. Don't do what Michigan State does from a broad philosophical and scheme standpoint. It's not just that LaVisca Chenault is there, it's that he also still has Steven Montez, who feels like he's been there forever. And it, you know... I think he's actually only his second season starting, though, isn't he? No, because he took out, he took over for Lufau one of those I thought that was times. two years, well, so he might have had partial, like, part of a previous season, but he was only the full-time starter last year, I thought. Well, in any case, my point is that having a dominant receiver like Chenault come back is one thing, but having him come back with the receiver that he already has or chemistry with, yeah, or with a quarterback that he's already got chemistry with, is just you're, you're getting him with, uh, you know, in his primary configuration, if you will. So, I don't know. I don't... I would not be optimistic about... about uh, well, you know, I'd be optimistic 
Sure. If I'm a Nebraska fan, because it's all about the future now. But I'm expecting to be challenged greatly here. And I, if you gave it to me to pick, I'd pick Colorado. It is uh, four and a half points for Nebraska at the moment. But again, with teams like Nebraska, Michigan, you want to be careful in relying on these lines because they are set to make money. What happens to teams with large national fan bases? They're goofy casual fans. Throw down a hundo on the team to they show their fandom. They were at minus 800. No, they were at plus 500 to make the college football playoff. Absolute insanity. With, so so if you bet $100, you'd only win $500 if they made the playoff. They went 4-8 last year. Given how ridiculously improbable that is, you'd hope for a much better payoff yeah. like the one that I'm going to get out of my $5 on Illinois to win the Big Ten this year, I'm going to win 1125 <laughs> Those are the odds you're looking for here. But yeah, so not only are they hopeless... Those odds to, make it worth putting down some. Hopeless delusional homers and terrible gamblers to boot. Go back to your farms, man. You're doing it wrong. Lastly, we got the first Big Ten conference action of the year. Breathe it in. Don't breathe it in too deeply. You're going to get the fumes because it's either from the tractor or from the Jersey Turnpike. So we got Rutgers going to Nebraska for classic Big Ten conference action. <laughs> Take that, Iowa. Yeah. He just called you Nebraska. Did I? <laughs> and they're all Oh, man. So anyway, that uh, you talk about little brother complex. Okay, I don't think Michigan State really has it, but I know who does. Iowa. To Nebraska? Yeah. I thought you might have went to Wisconsin. Ho, ho, ho. Anyway. To whom don't they? <laughs> Probably not Minnesota. For sharing a border, it's really just like, pig week, pig week, pig week, and then they don't talk about each other. It's a little disappointing. That particular Iowa axis... does not like people who wear red and white. That particular axis of a quadrangle, I've always found lacking outside of Floyd week. Um, How does Iowa feel about Indiana? Not red and white. Yeah, they, they, they clearly must not like them very much. Being cross-divisional, they probably haven't played this decade, so... Oh my god, when was the last time they played? Not going to look it up now, because we got to talk about the Gers. Who actually cares, yeah. Because we got to talk about the Gers. It's going to be an interesting test for Rutgers. We'll see if um, we'll see if this revamped offense led by an actual quarterback can hold their water against a real defense, because that's what Iowa is. Um, well, specifically gonna, a pass rush. Because yeah, I'm going to go, go out on a limb here and say that UMass probably doesn't have anybody capable of holding A.J. Epinesa's jockstrap for him. So... Yeah, uh, yeah. This this could be hideous. Um, Rutgers' offensive line is somewhat improved, it appears, based on last week's sample size. With but one data point, it's hard to tell because you know I don't think they were terrible. Yeah, last really, year. Just, pass pro was a problem. Yeah, but, pass pro on the uh, pass pro from the tackles was a big problem. Yeah, and uh, against their going, against their edge rushers, there, there's going to be. a Big problem here. And as well, yeah, as we've been talking about through most of our preview sequences, pretty much every week in this conference, you're going to see a pass rusher who can murder your quarterback if you can't stop it. We're going to have to see McLean Carter uh, move his feet a little bit more. Yeah, because it's, you know, this is a different system than he played in a Texas Tech. You don't have wide splits on your lineman, you're not on the shotgun all the time. Um, we'll see how this goes. I The Iowa, I think the line is 19, 19 and a half. For Iowa, that feels about right. I mean, it's Iowa doesn't always play in the highest scoring games, but as we've seen on some occasions, when they get rolling, they're a little bit of the boulder in the Temple of Doom. Yeah, and you know that line is one that could easily, like I could see that score easily getting out of hand if Rutgers starts turning it over. 
because yeah. Iowa which again punishes see, you for turning it over and giving them giving them short. And they're re- they are underratedly good at causing turnovers too. I mean they always have guys in the back seven who are getting their hands on passes. Um, so their linebackers do a good job in coverage as well. Yeah. yeah. Very sound defense, and a guy who, even in the sample size we've seen in McLean Carter, been very willing to sling it in the coverage. So that's probably going to be necessary to make some plays against an otherwise sound Iowa defense, but this feels like a cover for Iowa, in my opinion. Well, if McLean Carter can pull this one off with a bunch of gunslinging, let's say 60 pass attempts, oh man, this season's going to be lit. Uh, for that reason, because, you know, the boring thing always happens in football, um... I'm saying that Iowa covers. 23-0. You know, whenever Rutgers does move on from Chris Ash, probably this year, but maybe next, don't you think at some point they think about, like, why don't we just do Air Raid because nobody else in the Big Ten does it? That's the direction the sport's moving anyway. You can convince guys, hey, don't you want to play in this cool dynamic? Don't you want to catch a jillion passes? Like... I think there's throw a niche. billion passes. Yeah, I think there's a niche for it, right? Yeah, don't you want to be Pat Mahomes? Don't you want to be Jared Goff? Yeah, hey, you know what? You don't even have to be the number one receiver to get 20 targets a game. Yeah, just a thought. Just throwing that out there. So we'll take a quick tour around the country. A few very high-profile games, and then not a whole lot else outside of the conference. The good news is that means you can just soak up all this hot conference action. Um, won't have to miss a minute of Indiana and Eastern Illinois. So three games that I thought were of note, and then you've got what I think will be a recurring theme for us. I'll have to ask you explain why you're interested in that so much. You'll come back to something we talked about earlier, but Texas A&M Clemson. Um, that's a matchup of top twelve teams. I think Texas A&M is ranked twelfth. Yes, they are. I've heard a little bit of chatter, people placing Kellen Mond. I guess there's a little bit of shit talking going on, like some suggestions that Kellen Mond is everybody as good as Trevor Lawrence and. He, that's fucking crazy. Why would you say that? Uh, any scenario you see where Texas A&M springs this upset? No. I mean, I'll put it to you as simple as that. I mean, when I saw Clemson play Georgia Tech, which, again, it's Georgia Tech. It's a different animal than mm. Texas A&M. Yeah. But it is still a Power 5 team. It, it, looks like, it looked like they were playing like a Patriot League team. Yeah. It, and... was just, it was just, it was hard to watch. It was honestly hard to watch because it's like, Wow, I my my team, most of the teams that we cover here don't even play the same sport as them. No, um, they're they're ruinously talented. They have multiple first rounders at at wide receiver. Um, yeah, and a, a number one overall pick at quarterback for sure. But that's you know before probably you get, if he was eligible, probably this year. Yeah, but that's before you get to their defense, which just I mean I don't even I still don't know what Georgia Tech runs because they never got a chance to <laughs> do it. Just, yeah. And that, that was kind of a comment I heard also was, well, I'll turn over on the defensive line for Clemson. Like, okay, yeah, so we'll just reach into five stars, number three, four, five, and six, and just grab all those guys and shove them into the starting line. Like, it's not going to be a problem, all right? There may be a, some glitches in the first few weeks. Sure didn't see them last week. Um, Texas A&M's a better team than Georgia Tech, not by all that much. And, yeah, it this, is still, this feels like a game where we're going to be reminded... There's a fistful of, there's the two teams who are actually playing for the title. There's a small handful that can contend for them. And then there's the rest of you. And Texas A&M, I don't think, is in that second tier that, can, that can, on the right day, throw, a, throw the appropriate cross and catch Alabama or Clemson on the jaw. I don't think they're there yet. Maybe they can be. Jimbo's done it before. But I don't think they're there yet. It's discouraging how much more invincible those two have gotten in the regular season 
because they, I mean they they didn't lose in the regular season last year, did they? Alabama so. or Clemson. I mean, at the very least, you used to occasionally get a loss a year out of them, where it's like, oh man, somebody gets to have an amazing day in the sun, well, and yeah. you get to think that the world's going to change for a second. And Clemson's a newer thing because it's really only been what like four years I'd four say years, now that yeah. they've been at this, but the Watson years, and then now Lawrence. So. It's really only been four years, I would say, with Clemson where they've been at this position. But Alabama, it's getting really old, yeah. Um, and, right, you can remember going back a little bit further, like the hilarious back-to-back Ole Miss losses. Like, those yeah. happened. That the, was the, that long the, ago. The, the, the shellacking by Auburn a few years ago yeah. uh, that paved their way to the national title by taking <laughs> by them out of the SEC by, yeah, title game. By helping them duck the title game, yeah. So, <laughs> everything's coming up, Bama. Um, elsewhere, though, I, I really like this LSU-Texas game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to as, this one. You know, had it not been for what had Georgia pummeled Texas as expected last year, would have been one thing. But Texas, you know, put the screws to them, and they're feeling themselves. Yeah, remember they're back. Yeah, Sam Ellinger declared Texas to be officially back. B A K is how that's spelled with a K. So I'm sure looking forward to seeing it. Um, boy, I don't know if I buy that. I kind of still like LSU's talent edge here because they've been. They never stopped recruiting, and Texas had a little bit of a dent there. It's starting to fall off, though. That dent right. is starting to fall and off. Tom, and obviously in the head coaching matchup, Tom Herman. And they've got, they've got championship levels of hydration. Yeah, and you put... Their like, pee is very clear. Yeah, like you put Tom Herman and Ed Ordron next to each other and think about like creating a game plan. Small advantage to the horns on that one, I think. <laughs> um, but you still, think about that Cajun spirit. <laughs> right, and, and how... He doesn't have quite the same insane, illogical, improbable escapability that Les Miles did, but there's still a little bit of that flavor in the LSU program, is there not? And definitely still, at the very top end, higher levels of talent, Grant Delpit, Michael Divinity, guys who are going to be first-round picks. They always have a few of them. Um, Bayleaves, time, that kind of flavor. Yeah. So that's that's our matchup of top 10 teams. Keep your eyes on that one. And then... For the Lols, keep your eyes on the Vols. Hosting BYU. Because there's nothing nothing that quite gets you back right and in your in your best and proper state of mind than bringing a bunch of Mormons to town after they took a loss to an in-state hated rival and you're coming off a loss to an FCS team. Not an FCS team, but a bad group of five team. A very bad, yeah. yeah. Well, a, a, the type of team that you have to check yourself that whether or not they're FCS. They were recently... Yeah, they, and and unlike Georgia division. Southern, it never felt like they earned their way up. Wasn't it Georgia Southern they played? Are you talking about Georgia State? Yeah, I'm talking about Georgia State. I thought, Georgia, Georgia, I thought they played Georgia Southern last week. That's the kind of opponent Tennessee lost. We talked about this tonight, like an yeah. hour ago. Yeah, we so can't no, keep I'm saying Georgia they Southern, <laughs> they had that win against Florida, against yeah. Muschamp. Okay, so that, they felt like legit coming up. Georgia State has never felt like they belonged at this level. No, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Um, so yeah, if you if for whatever reason um, Texas and LSU doesn't do it for you, flip over to ESPN, catch BYU at Tennessee, hear them talk a lot of trash about Tennessee's program. Basically, that's what the broadcast is going to be. It's just lol. They used to have Peyton Manning. Now they lose. Now they lost to the Georgia team. Nobody can remember. Yeah. So hey, at least they uh, didn't hire Greg Schiano. Imagine how bad that would. That be. could have been an embarrassment. That's absolutely one hundred percent true. Uh, so there's another couple of things I want to keep my eye on is it's safe to assume that Lovey Smith and Chris Ash are currently safe right now. Um, now they're not, with, with these performances, of course, you know, Ash 
you're going to wait quite a while on. It's going to have to really get off the rails. Um, he needs a bowl to save his job. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're realistically, always... Lovey kind of does too. But so far, we're not seeing the signs that they're not going to get there. They, they will probably come, but we haven't seen them yet. On the other hand, we've got Clay Helton and we've got Justin Fuente um, yeah. and Willie Taggart. Those are the three that we're thinking may just expire this year. Taggart, only because of how spectacularly they lost. I mean, we thought they would have to do something spectacular to get this guy out of here after two seasons. Or, or you know. However, he did something pretty spectacular in week one already, and there's 11 more games. I wonder, I wonder if that loss might not age pretty well, though, because the rest of Boise State's schedule, I've not even checked, but... But they are Florida got, State. And you're playing Boise State. I think there's enough recognition that Boise State is not some paycheck game. That's a real non-conference opponent. You had to play him at a neutral site to get him to come, you know, even if the game ended up being in your stadium. So, yes, is, is the Florida State fan base perhaps prone to a slight tinge of irrationality? Sure. But I think it, it. I wonder if there's an understanding of the kind of rebuild that's necessary. Because I've heard enough references about the differences in how Jimbo Fisher runs it versus how Taggart runs it. I think people understood this is going to take some time. Whether they're willing to let that go, I guess we'll. I guess we'll see. But but Taggart did have the kind of situation that makes it possible to see a coaching firing in the event of a complete disaster. So that's the only reason that he's made this little. End of our segment. Uh, the other coach, of course, Justin Fuente. Virginia Tech, uh, they lost pretty badly to Pitt. No, they didn't. Pitt played Virginia. Oh, I'm going to edit this out then. <laughs> <laughs> no, leave it. Because uh, <laughs> now i got to know who Virginia Tech They lost Tech pretty badly to someone. <laughs> it might as well have nope. been Pitt. They lost to Boston College, which might as well be Pitt. Even worse, yeah. That's just that's just more North Pitt. They, they lost by a touchdown, but they were expecting a lot more. Because they had, because Virginia Tech was one of those ones that had a lot of guys leave the program, but of course you have guys that have to come and defend the coach by saying, "Well, you know, they didn't fit with our culture, and now we we're didn't want recruit, We didn't want here. We only well, want you know, guys who are gonna who want to be well, here." Well, you know, I think the coach, the coach just sat him down and told him honestly, you know, hey, you know, I don't know if you got a future playing here, and you know, uh, gave <laughs> them the option to go. And Wasn't there a solid fistful of starters like? Guys who played every game. Josh Jackson! <laughs> the starting, the starting quarterback. quarterback. Starting quarterback, yeah. Uh, anyway, well, shine yeah. off of Fuente a little bit after last little, year. A little bit, yeah. A it, lot of bit. And now they're playing Old Dominion, which... Oh, well that's... No, what what bad ever happens when you play Old <laughs> Dominion as a as Virginia Tech? Does that, has something bad happened to them before? Not that I can recall. No, I, it's nothing to worry about. Why would you be worried? So. Nice sleepy noon kick on ESPNU. Just what the doctor ordered. Get things back in order. And the third one yeah. of our hot seat coaches yeah. is, of course, Clay Helton. Uh, they are going to play Stanford. Yeah, poor Clay. He's, pay, he's getting paid millions of dollars. Pretty soon to not coach college football. Yeah, they're, be they're probably going to get trucked. Yeah, yeah. Um, Although I guess the only thing I would say is... If KJ Costello can't play for a whole game and Stanford tries to use the same game plan they did for their backup, USC should win that game. But that's the only way. If Costello plays, USC is toast in that game. 
Anyway, we will see you all on CBS Sports Network for the Illinois at UConn game. Like you guys are watching anything else. Your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle. Empire.